Hey guys, I just wanted to give a small heads up before the episode begins. Jackson and I forgot to announce our winners during the first recording, so we went back to announce our winners in another recording, which is attached at the end, just so no one is confused by what they're listening to. With that out of the way, please enjoy this episode, and be sure to rate and review this podcast to give it more visibility. Thank you all. Welcome back to the Alternate Oscars Podcast. I am your host, Gabe Warren, and with each episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and rewarding our favorite films of each year starting in 1928. We'll discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate, and comment on on the actual Oscar year and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We will be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. The amount of categories will also grow over time as a sort of tie-in reflection on the Academy's evolution over time. And one last thing to note, from 1927 to 1933 and most recently 2020, the Academy has had double years for varying reasons. We will not be doing such on this podcast as I feel that would be a bit of a disservice to both years to do that. With all that said, I am honored to be talking about the films of 1929 with my latest guest. Jackson Stefano. You may know him for many things, whether it be his Twitter account, his fandom of Cats and Wilson, following the Oscars, the list goes on. Jackson, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you, Gabe. It is an honor to talk about such a such a year with you. It it is truly a year of movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what that description entails, we'll get into, but yeah. <laughs> And I, I love that you mentioned that as my two notable qualities is that I have a Twitter account and I love Cats and Wilson. It's just th- that's <laughs> what I'm known for. Yeah. I mean, there are other things like um, your bio and... Uh, yes. <laughs> I just thought... Yes. I just thought, why not point them out? Yes. So... I guess before we get started, um, I should ask, what movies have you seen recently? Recently? Yeah. Uh, I, well, first, I, I've watched a lot of movies from 1929 in preparation for this because I realized cool. I had not seen that many. <laughs> but besides oh. that, it's, it's just been a lot of ver- varying stuff, like... I've watched like the obscure '60s comedy with with an insane amount of guest stars, uh, Candy from 1968. I've watched uh, what what else have I watched? Um, I've watched um, I've watched Story of Women starring Isabel Hubert. I've watched uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff I watched. It's like. I've probably watched like 70 movies this month so far. And we still got like five days left. Oh, 
Mm. That sounds you? great. Um, personally, I've been on the nineteen forty binge, mm. the year nineteen forty. I still have like twenty three films to go on my list on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently, I'm halfway through this um, film called. Uh, I think it's called House of the Seven Gables. Oh. Which is... It's a movie. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so... That has been relatively fun. That's nice. And I am planning to watch in preparation for Cruella. Um, the 101 Dalmatians, both in 1961 and 1996. Okay, I... I... I know I've I've seen the original animated one recent in the past few years, and I remember thinking that was boring. And I know I've seen the Glenn Close one before, but I have no recollection for it. Like it must have been at least ten years ago when I first saw it. So I I do need to rewatch that. And, but yeah, I I don't have a real interest in Cruella. Like it, all these Disney remakes have been largely dis- disappointing, except for like the Lily James Cinderella. And so it's just like, I, I've just given up on them. Like, I was excited for Mulan because that was supposedly going to be really different from the original, but that's the worst one or one of the worst ones that they've done. So it's just like, there, there's no hope for them anymore. I, I've given up. I've not watched, I haven't watched that many Disney remakes and I've actually never seen um, either of the 1961 or 1996 versions of the 101 Dalmatians, but I've seen Mulan. It's it was just so soulless to me. Mm-hmm. Like there was, it was just, just no just passion. Who, exactly, there was no character in that. Just like like the original version, like there's so much like character moments and like the songs help build the character. But when you just they just got rid of all of that and didn't replace it with anything. It's just, it's just a lot of exposition and and bad fight scenes. Although, like it, it looked kind of great. Like the costumes and the sets were all gorgeous. But that that can't save a movie. That doesn't make a movie. Yeah, keep the costumes and sets. <laughs> scrap everything else. <laughs> put, um, put an actual movie behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was fun. So, if we want to um, just head into our list of nominees. Our our nominees? Yeah, so we'll start in reverse order. Starting with art direction, ending with picture. Okay. And we'll take turns. Um, You go first. Okay, so for art direction, I have... The Divine Lady, The Four Feathers, The Iron Mask, Lucky Star, and Moulin Rouge. Do you want to, um... Do, you want, do I want to elaborate? We'll, um, yeah, elaborate. Okay, so, um... First up, I want to say that a few of these, I... Actually, three of these I only watched because you had them on your list, and it's and I just needed other 1929 movies to watch that I feel like would be good or would it be nomination worthy for something so I ended up just kind of like fall, watching everything on your list 
and then that ended up but for uh the divine lady i ended up watching just because it was nominated at the regular oscars it was nominated it was nominated in quite a few spots i'm pretty sure like or well yeah, not not, not really nominated since as famously the second academy awards oh, yeah. had no nominations no official nominees but yeah, it, i don't know what that was about but yeah it was nominated for a few we'll talk it, about that so surprisingly not even art direction but yeah and do I say my winner now, or do we wait on that? Um, we'll wait on that. Okay. We'll announce the winner after. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, most of these are like big uh, period movies. Like I think, I think all of them are period pieces, except well, including Lucky Star actually, since that's like World War One. That's a few. That's like a decade before this. So yeah, all of these are uh, period piece movies, but they're all gorgeously designed and stuff. So do you do art direction now or do I move on to cinematography? No, um, I'll do art direction okay. next. Um, so my nominees for art direction are The Divine Lady, The Iron Mask, The Love Parade, Lucky Star, and Moulin Rouge. Oh. Um, so we match so, all of those except uh, you have Love Parade and I have Four Feathers. Yeah. Um, I took out Bulldog Drummond at the last minute for some reason. <laughs> oh. Um, so going through all these, um, I'm not sure if there's a whole lot I can say about them without just repeating the obvious mm -hmm. or just repeating a lot of what you said. Mm -hmm. um, like you, I think these um, five movies are really well designed. They do look um, gorgeous for what they are. Um, as for Love Parade, I think there's um, a lot of fun stuff they do in the palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Love Parade, I feel like, is my number six here. Uh, it just... I just put in Four Feathers, because I feel like that does have, like, a lot of really grand sets and set pieces and whatnot. Like, I think that is a really well-designed movie. It is. Um, I'm partial to the 1939 version, uh, 1939 version um, which was produced by Alexander Korda. And directed um, by his brother Fulton. And yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but Alexander Korda does like a lot of really extravagant stuff. So I, I believe it. Yeah. It's good. You should check it out. Okay. Um, um so next up is um cinematography. So you go first. That's Okay, uh, so I have uh, Bulldog Drummond, The Four Feathers, Hallelujah, Lucky Star, and Moulin Rouge. So, I, I just feel, this is where I kind of, uh, actually, no, that, these, there's not much what to say. It's just these are all kind of like really beautiful movies. It's like, although I want to say that Hallelujah is more in here for like 
the way it uses the camera rather than just setting up like pretty shots and stuff because there is a lot a lot of like great just movement and placement of the camera in that movie it's just like a really creative and uh craft crafty yeah crafty uh film in terms of its cinematography but the rest are just all like very gorgeous films like it like we brilliantly using the lighting and just the camera angles and stuff to create like gorgeous images and stuff. I agree with all about that. So my nominees for cinematography are Bulldog Drummond, Hallelujah, The Love Parade, Lucky Star, and The Virginian. Ooh. So we, we have two different there. I have Four Feathers and Moulin Rouge. You have The Love, Pre- Love Parade and The Virginian. And I, and I did watch The Virginian, and I did not like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was pretty good for an early Western. Certainly better than in old Arizona. Oh, definitely better than in old Arizona, but I still did not like it. I just... Yeah. I. I really don't like movies. Usually, I don't like movies where Gary Cooper is the lead. Like I, I like High Noon, but most of them, he, I just, I just don't buy him as a lead. Like there are other movies, like um, what what was that called? Um, The Children of Divorce, where it's like I like him in that, but it's because he's not the lead. He's more of a supporting character. The two women there are the leads of the movie. And also, like, Wings, where he has, like, five minutes and dies immediately. He's good in that, too. <laughs> I like that one. So, basically, he's a character actor that Hollywood was convinced would make a good um, leading man. Exactly. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I'm not sure if I could say a lot about him. Um, I do think he's um, fine in most of the stuff I've seen him in so far at least but i think i probably have to like think deeper on him to um like gain a stronger opinion okay um so as for my actual nominees um like you said they just look really gorgeous um bulldog drumming you can tell um it's the work of George Barnes and a very, very young Greg Toland. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hallelujah, um, I was struck by how they used the camera in that. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the love parade is perhaps a bit less obvious, but um, I'd argue that... Um, it um manages to keep the film light and fluffy and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I know it sounds like that I'm just like not nominating the Love Parade, but well, trust me, we'll we'll get to more nominations for the Love Parade on my end. <laughs> it's definitely coming. Oh, not. <laughs> not judging you. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we want to move on to adaptation now? Yep. Okay. Adaptation. And- and I noticed that, like, I was just briefly looking at the the actual Oscar nominees uh, before this, and I realized that in 
1929, both of the, the second and third Academy Awards, neither of them have a split writing category. They, they, they're all just one big best writing category. Yeah, you, I noticed you that decided, too. You decided to split them. Yeah. What a weird decision. It, it is weird. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Alright, so best adaptation. I have Alibi, Condemned, The Letter, The Love Parade, and The Valiant. And uh, what to even say about these? It's just for with the split the split writing categories, I had a lot of trouble with because a lot of these movies are not well written. <laughs> like 1929, I I should just go in and say I hate 1929. It is literally my least favorite year of cinema. <laughs> and so, and when you asked me to come on to this podcast is and for 1929, like I. I was hesitant, not because I didn't want to come on the podcast, but because I didn't want to talk about 1929 because there's just so many bad movies. And so it's just like, it was really hard coming up with 10 movies that were both, that were good enough that I could nominate them for something. And like, Adaptation I had a bit of an easier time with because there were a lot of movies based on like plays and and stuff that I could use, but it was still hard. Like I do not think that Alibi or The Letter is really all that well written, but it is okay, so I can nominate it. <laughs> but yeah, it, but for the yeah. other three, Condemned, Love Parade, The Valiant, I think these are actually well written movies and like the love parade is just so funny and the valiant is it has a really touching story i think like with the palm muni being like this prisoner who who is like completely faceless and just becomes like this sensation it's it's a really small and intimate movie and i i really like that though it does suffer from that great 1929 woodenness with because with everybody being new to sound and they didn't know how to do anything with it. But, and so- It was still in the silent mode. Yeah, but it's still, yeah. But Paul Muni, yeah. Paul Muni's there, he gives a good performance. Uh, No one else does, but it's okay. (laughs) But yeah, the writing is still good. And Condemned is also just really, really good, I think. So yeah, Uh, what about- um, but I did see um, Ronald Coleman's other movie, Bulldog Drummond, which I thought yeah. was really, pretty good. Yeah, as we um, talked about before, you haven't nominated. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just going to say briefly that um, the actors in 1929 didn't know how to speak the dialogue that was written. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, my nominees are... Bulldog Drummond, The Four Feathers, The Iron Mask, The Love Parade, and The Virginian. Oh, so the only one we have in common here is The Love Parade, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like. So, oh, you go ahead. Oh, no, you go first. It's You're describing things. Okay. So, um,. I think Bulldog Drummond is really simple, but um, 
still effective as a pulpy um, action film. And Sidney Howard, just um, the screenwriter, just does a really solid job. Just um, letting letting the action play out and um, letting Ronald Coleman do his thing. And I'd argue that there's a bit of wit to it as well. Um, <clears throat> the Four Feathers, I think, does a good enough job translating the um, A.E.W. Mason novel um, and um, into something suitably epic. Um, it um, didn't surprise me that much since I'd already seen 1939, but I guess I could say this is sort of semi-abridged since, um, it was one of the last silent films and it's, um, shorter, I think, but I still think it works for what it is. Um, <laughs> The Iron Mask, um... I think it's just a really fun swashbuckling adventure. Um, that um, I guess conveys the sense of epicness um, well enough for 1929. I wouldn't say there's a lot of depth, but just like Bulldog Drummond, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the Love Parade um, is just really goofy and charming and funny, and it's just a good time. And it's hard not to like it. Um, the Virginian, I think, is... Um, I actually really like... Um, Even though um, I found that sometimes it's a bit hard for me to emotionally connect to Westerns, I think this one takes sort of a smart approach to adapting the novel. And I think it does a good enough job at, in focusing on the characters and making you care about the predicament. Mm -hmm. Um. I just want to say that for on the Iron Mask, it's another one of the movies that I watch because you nominated it, and it's just I am not really a fan of like these of the Three Musketeers kind of movies, and this is like a sequel to another Douglas Fairbanks movie based on the Three Musketeers, uh, and it's just I don't know what it is. It's just they never really appealed to me. Like I just think they're just kind of empty and stuff it, like there's like they're all built around the like the like you said like the kind of swashbuckling kind of adventure kind of things but those don't really i just never find those kind of movies all that fun and so and they don't focus at all on or they do focus on like the relationships and whatever but not enough where it becomes good so it's just a kind of empty experience for me although it it is pretty i i guess i was kind of pulled through it by like all the grand sets and costumes and stuff so it 
gave, it gave me something to look at while I wasn't listening to it. <laughs> I see your point. Um, yeah. um, there wasn't a lot of um quality to choose from, so exactly. Um, I guess I also had the coconuts or the coconuts, um, however you spell it. That's it's a musical the from coconuts. the Marx Brothers. Yeah, I, I, um, I hate the Marx Brothers so much. Like, that's a hot take of mine, but it's just, I never find them funny. They are, like, even in their most acclaimed work, like Animal Crackers or Night at the Opera, it's just, they, they clearly throw so many jokes at the wall, but none of them work. None, none of them are funny, at least to me. It's just, so yeah. Um, I guess I find some of their, um, I guess you could say some of their jokes are dated, but um, I think when they work, they really work. Um, I really like A Night at the Opera and Duck Soup in particular. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, original story now? Yep. Okay. So, my nominees are The Kiss, Lucky Star, Moulin Rouge, The Trespasser, and The Wild Party. And so this was the one I had the most trouble with of all the categories. Like when I, when I first got, when I first started assembling this list, I only had one nominee here and that was the wild party. But then as I was watching movies, I eventually watched uh, the trespasser with for, uh, because it was a, it was an actual nominee here uh, for Gloria Squanson and, uh, best actress so i watched that then i watched uh and then i watched lucky star the kiss and Mulan rouge because of you and those i thought were good enough to put in here <laughs> but really if if i just only nominated movies that were like that i think would have uh like that had good screenplays it would just be lucky star I'm sorry that's a spoiler on the winner, but Lucky Star is really yeah. the only movie here that I feel like is like Moulin Rouge is very fun, but I would not say it's well written, but it's kind of fun. So I just thought, eh, throw it in. And like The Trespasser is very cheesy, but I was engaged with the story. So sure, throw it in. And well, same kind of same with The Wild Party and The Kiss. Like I don't really love their writing, but I was engaged with their stories, so they get in. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure if I've seen The Trespasser yet, but I guess I'll see that at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. um, my nominees are Hallelujah, The Kiss, Lucky Star, Moulin Rouge, and The Wild Party. Um, so, again, there was not a lot to choose from. Mm -hmm. I really struggled to, um, compile a list of nominees here. Um, I guess Hallelujah as dated as it is, and it's, um, excuse me, as, um, Politically questionable, shall we call it, as it is, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. I think it has good intentions, at least, 
and it has an interesting way of telling its story. Um, the Kiss is kind of a standard Greta Garbo vehicle. There are certainly better Greta Garbo vehicles, but this one, if you're a fan of hers, should work well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucky Star, um, I think, is the one that I'm the most passionate about. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> we, we've... Um, we all love Lucky Star. Let's just say it now. Yeah. 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 Great movie. Beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Moulin Rouge um, is um, sort of a weird movie, and but in a way, kind of what I expected from a Moulin Rouge movie, because I know there are multiple of them. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's the third one I've seen, and they're all kind of the same in that they're all very, very fun, kind of dumb plots, but still very fun. And I think th- this falls right in between in terms of my ranking of them. Like, I I love the uh, 50s one with uh, Jose Ferrer, and then I put this one, and then I put the Baz Luhrmann one, which was gorgeous and spectacular, but also very, very stupid. <laughs> It's been a long time since I, I've seen the Baz Luhrmann version. I actually have never seen the John Huston version, but um, I guess I'll see it when I get to 1950s. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, I'm expecting some beautiful color cinematography from Oswald Morris mm-hmm. and great production design and beautiful costumes. Yeah. Jose Ferrer, I think, gives like a fantastic performance in that, but maybe I'm just biased towards him since like Cyrano, his performance is Cyrano is like an all-time favorite performance of mine. So, who knows? Um, And The Wild Party is... um, I guess it doesn't have the greatest plot or execution, but it was engaging for me. Um, That may be more due to Dorothy Arsner's direction. More spoilers, (laughs) but... um, you know, yeah. Um, I I kind of want to go back to uh, Hallelujah in your nominations because I that is a very complicated movie because like on the one hand it's like I love like a lot of like the craft behind it just like the I love it's a fantastic musical in terms of just like the performance of but the the performances in it and like the songs in it. it but on the other hand it is a deeply racist movie like not just yeah. in terms of like the day's sense but like king vidor these are like it is well known that king vidor blatantly and knowingly lied about like he is when he was making it he set out to make a depiction of like black life but he knowingly he was inspired by Nanook of the North and and is specifically in how that it just blatantly lies about like the life of being like I forget like what uh tribe he is, but being like an Inuit in the Alaskan tundra or whatever. And like King Vitor wanted to do that for like black life in the south, just 
try and make this seem real, but knowingly and falsely depict life there and specifically like depict these awful stereotypes. And, but on the other hand, it's still just like, and I feel like on the other hand, it's just like, I do love like the performances of like Daniel B. Haynes and Nina Mae McKinney. It's just, they are fantastic. And it's just like, it'd be disservice to them and their immensely fantastic work to just completely write off this movie and bury it in history. But at the same time, you can't just ignore the awful creation behind it. It's just a very complicated movie. And it's just like, and I couldn't nominate it for original story because its story is completely uh, built in by racism and stuff. It's just awful. I was not aware of that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you you can like just read about it easily on its Hallelujah's Wikipedia page too. Uh, yeah. Somehow I missed that. It's that is disgusting mm-hmm. for sure. Um. Yeah, I I did a lot of research on it after I had watched it, just like trying to figure out like the history behind it because like it it is such a let's say a touchy subject in terms of film history and that how it is kind of important for being like one of the first sound film with an all black black cast but also it is just so uh, awful in terms of its portrayal of black people so i tried to do my research and yeah so i'm just burdened with all this knowledge now (laughs) yeah i'll look into it on my own time yeah for sure okay and Um, now now let's move from that straight into best actress (laughs) All right, so I have like Nina Mae McKinney in Hallelujah, Greta Garbo in The Kiss, Jean Jean Eagles, Jean Eagles in The Letter, uh, Janet Gaynor in Lucky Star, and Gloria Swanson in Trespasser. And now, this is an actually kind of good category we have because, like, while some of these movies are actually no, I I do like all of these movies, but it's just that they're kind of burdened by some of the like of the early sound are like specifically the trespasser the letter the trespasser and the letter they're kind of burdened by like the early sound film but since eagles and swanson are such great actresses they're able to overcome that and then hallelujah does kind of bypass the kind of uh sound problems i don't know how it does that but it does and it's one but it, yeah, Nina Mae McKinney does great with the sound. And then uh, Garbo and Gaynor, or yeah, Garbo and Gaynor are in their element with the silent movies and they're just doing more of their great work. Because like, Gain, I already love, I hadn't seen Lucky Star until watching it for this, uh, but I had already loved her, her silent work in uh, sunrise and uh street angel and so lucky star is just an extension of that for me and i think it is the same director as uh street angel yes also it yeah it's just i know and seven heaven yes i was gonna say sunrise I, but no it's I, I don't like seven heaven but i like the other two oh. they did but yeah she's she's just fantastic there and greta garbo is probably like one of the biggest silent actresses along with uh 
I forget what her name is, but she worked with like D.W. Griffith and stuff and Clara Bow as well. Like Greta Garbo is just one of the silent, the, the masters of the silent era. And she she's great in the kiss as well. So yeah, just a lot of great actresses doing great work. Yeah. Um, I would agree with everything you've said. Um, and my nominees are Nina Main McKinney for Hallelujah. Um, Jean Eagles for The Letter. Jeanette McDonald for The Love Parade. Janet Gaynor for Lucky Star. And Clara Bow for The Wild Party. Um, Nina May McKinney, McKinney just has such a presence um, mm-hmm. in her performance. She is very bold in the movie. And it's just very striking and commanding of a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll um, co-sign what you've said about um, Jean Eagles. Um, she um, brings a lot of fiery intensity and overcomes the um, film's problems with um, being awkwardly stuck in the silent era. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Not, like, stuck between sound era and transitioning mm-hmm. sound. I guess. Yeah, like having no idea how to d- deal with the sound technology. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Um, but I still think she's great, But uh, despite the movie's problems. Um Jeanette McDonald just gives um, a light, funny musical performance, and she's just so charming and mm-hmm. sweet. And um, Janet Gaynor and Lucky Star, she is has such an expressive face, and. She captures a sense of innocence and vulnerability that I found very touching without being overly cloying, McCloying. Mm-hmm. And um, Clara Bow, again, another very fun and sort of effervescent comedy performance. I almost feel her performance is transgressive in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, well, I didn't nominate uh, McDonald or Bo. I, I still think that, like, yeah, they're they're good performances. I have no qualms about your including them or anything. Yeah. So on to best actor. Yep. All right. So I have uh, Ronald Coleman in Condemned, Daniel L. Haynes in Hallelujah, Maurice Chevalier in The Love Parade. Charles Farrell in Lucky Star and Paul Muni in The Valiant and it it's kind of the same situation as with Best Actress like Paul Muni and Ronald Coleman do well despite the limitations of the sound and although though Condemned kind of is kind of kind of transcends the sound era as does uh, The Love Parade and Maurice Chevalier and 
Chevalier is just so, so charming, and especially in his early, like, Lubitsch films. It's just, he, he's just impossible not to love, at least for me. And then, yeah, Hallelujah too. like I said with uh, Mae McKinney, she just, just uh, transcends the, the sound. And, and like you said about Nina Mae McKinney, I think the same about Daniel Haynes. It's just like, he has such a presence to him. He just commands your attention. And then the only silent nominee here, Charles Farrell in Lucky Star, he's just fantastic. And, and while he's not as good as Janet Gaynor and she con- contains most of my attention during it, he is still fantastic as well. Like I still love him in it. It just, this is probably my favorite of the categories in terms of like the quality of the nominees because all of these are just fantastic performances. And yeah, like, Paul Muni does his first film performance here with The Valiant, and he's just off to a fantastic start here. Just absolutely, like, like he, I think he did this role on the stage, so it makes sense that he is already great in it, despite like whatever limitations of the sound Eric would bring to him. But I just think he's fantastic. Yeah, I, I did surprisingly like his performance more than I expected to. Um, I sort of have a mixed history with him. I don't like his great man biopic performances at all much. I, I, I like, uh, I like, I love him with Zola, and Zola, uh, but uh, Louis Pasteur, yeah, I, I agree. He's not great in that. Um, I do really like him in Scarface. He's great in that. Mm-hmm. And Emil Zola, I think he starts off well enough when he's playing the younger Emil Zola, but he just loses my interest completely when he's playing the older version of him. Right, so, how about yeah. your nominees? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my nominees. Ronald Coleman in Bulldog Drummond. Douglas Fairbanks in The Iron Mask. Maurice Chevalier in The Love Parade, Charles Farrell in the in Lucky Star, and Walter Houston in The Virginian. Um, so, um, Ronald Coleman's performance is just sheer um movie star performance. He has the charisma. He has that great voice. He has a suave look. He's just a joy to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. And he basically carries the movie. Yeah, it, and my, I nominated and, Coleman for Condemned, but if I were allowed like multiple nominations per actor, or if I li- allowed myself that, I would nominate him double for Bulldog Drummond. Because he, he is fantastic in that too. Like, like going to the looking at the actual uh, Oscar lineup, he is like second or third place in that for me behind himself and, um, and Marty Chevalier and Love Parade. Um, so Douglas Fairbanks, um, is similar to Coleman in that, um, it's another movie star performance that relies a lot on his natural charisma, and I think he 
carries that very uh carries that element very well. I enjoyed watching him on the screen. He's just um another suave, likable presence. Um and then um Maurice Chevalier. Um again, um it's um not great depth or anything from him. Um it's pure goofy charm. Mm-hmm. He's just so lovable. And yeah, he's just so um, likable on screen. Mm-hmm. I know I keep using the word likable, but exactly. You know. Exactly. It's just I just enjoy watching him on screen and yeah. Such a fun performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charles Farrell and Lucky Star, I think, um, another great performance. And what I particularly, what I was particularly impressed with was his, um, sort of the physicality he brings to the role, because he is in a wheelchair for much of the movie. And he expresses a lot with his body that, um, conveys the struggle that um, he goes through in the movie. And I particularly, and I also really liked his chemistry with Janet Gaynor. I think there's a sweetness in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And Walter Houston, um, even though um, he's more of a supporting role, he is um, very hard not to be engaged with in the movie. And he brings an almost world-weary and wizened presence that I really liked. All right. I do Walter Houston in general. I'm kind of mixed on Walter Houston generally. Like, I, I like him in some movies, like like uh treasure sierra madre and like his more character work um also uh devil and daniel webster he's fantastic in that delightful in that but like in his more serious work like dodsworth i can't really i don't find myself enjoying him that much but that and i barely remember him the virginian and i only watched it a week ago i'm sorry Maybe if I rewatch it, my opinion will change, but I think it's good. And I love him in Dotsworth. That's a great movie. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying, like, your opinions. I'm just voicing my own. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> just thought it was worth saying. Um, All right. So, on to best, best director. director. So, I have uh, Frank Lloyd for The Divine Lady, King Vitor for Hallelujah, Ernst Lubitsch for The Love Parade, Frank Brazage for Lucky Star, and E.A. DuPont for Moulin Rouge. I just want to start off by saying for King Vidor, like I kind of called him like a racist asshole before, but when, while the writing of uh, Hallelujah is, is completely awful, like truly disgusting, 
the he's King Vidor is kind of well known as like a great director and it even with his terrible like writing on this his directing is so fantastic like it it is a fantastic musical one is like if i were to ignore the writing of it it'd probably be one of the greatest musicals ever made but because it is because there is so much of that stereotyping and all of that it's just awful but the just like this all the musical sequences are so fantastically directed and they just bring they're just so powerful every single song sequence is just so powerful and that's part to the music part to the actors and part to king vidor's direction and i can't deny that and but on to the other movies um Ernst Lubitsch, Love Parade. He, he, Lubitsch is well known for directing great comedies and great musicals, and especially great musical comedies. And The Love Parade is probably one of his greatest accomplishments in that area. Just, just an all-around fantastic musical and comedy. It, the Lubitsch touch is a famous saying for a reason, and Love Parade is one of the greatest examples of that. And then with Lucky Star, it's Frank Borzage. He there is just such uh he is able to balance like the grandness of like this war story and the tenderness of like this intimate romance drama and it's just so well balanced together or that it's it's just a fantastic movie it really hits every emotion that it needs to and that that is due to frank borzage's direction he's balanced every aspect of the movie perfectly and then with E.A. DuPont and Moulin Rouge, he, it is such just a grand movie, like a grand spectacle. Same thing with The Divine Lady and Frank Lloyd. Like, they're both just these spectacularly grand movies. And they, there is clearly a lot of work that needs to be done in order to maintain, like, to keep everything in this large piece together and to keep it stable and both of them like lloyd and dupont they just they do it perfectly like they are fantastic they they know what they're doing and they put forth these great movies how about you that um i think it's a worthy um set of nominees um so for my nominees um I have King Vidor for Hallelujah, Ernst Lubit for The Love Parade, um, Frank Borzage for Lucky, for Lucky Star, Victor Fleming for The Virginian, and Dorothy Arsner for The Wild Party. Um, I guess I would just um, co-sign everything you've said about King Vidor, Ernst Lubitsch, and Frank Borzage. Mm -hmm. um, Three very recognizable and uniquely stylistic directors who worked very well within their um, specific wheel, I guess. King Vidor was very humanistic, and a, he gets called an auteur for a reason, because he is one. And Lubitsch is such a master at the sort of light comedy um 
like you said, bluish touch really mm-hmm. is a thing. Um, I just remember movies like To Be or Not To Be and Design for Living and Ninochka, mm-hmm. and he's just such a master at the genre. And um, Frank Barzage, um, there's just a serene um, aurora around the movie, mm-hmm. like so many of these other movies. It you almost feel like you're in a dream watching it. The picturesque, the picturesque locale. Um, the sort of homely nature of the setting, um, even down to just the performances and the cinematography. It's just gorgeous, beautiful. And Victor Fleming for the Virginian, um, I think he does a good job capturing um, the Western landscape and the outdoors. And he captures a great sense of somber, a somber, uncertain adventure that kept me engaged. And Dorothy Arsner for The Wild Party, um, I've been enjoying a lot of her movies um, that I've seen from her. And even beyond just wanting to nominate her for something, I think she does a good job just capturing a sort of backstage hangout feel to this movie that um, I tend to really like. So, and she, um, she did a good job keeping this film's momentum going. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Those are my five nominees. Alright, with so with the Virginian, like I feel like the problems I have with the movie, none of them are with really Victor Fleming. Like you said, it is such a it is a kind of grand western movie, and he does do a good job about the like keeping the spectacle and stuff like that. And the Wild Party, I must be honest, I I've seen but I don't really remember that well. But I I did like it. <laughs> so sure. Go ahead, Dorothy Arzner. Yeah, and I, I really need to watch more of her movies. Like I've seen, I've seen a few of them. I'm not sure how many. Like I know I've seen. Um, I think it's Our Dancing Daughters that she did with Joe Crawford. I've seen that. Um, uh, that was not her. That was Harry Beaumont. She did uh, the director of Broadway Melody. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of a uh, Dance Girl Dance. That's right. Oh yeah, I just uh, saw that. I've seen that. <laughs> that that is really good. I really like Dance Girl Dance. Yeah. And then I've Probably. seen Wild Party, and there's another one I've seen. Oh, oh, um, Sarah and Son, with Drew Chatterton, which is really only notable because one, it was directed by Dorothy Arzner, and two, it is the first movie directed by a woman to be nominated for an Oscar, uh, nominated for Ruth Chatterton. Although, I think that might I forget if that was the. Okay, that was the third Oscar. So yeah, it was technically nominated. So it is it does count. It's not like the second Oscars. But yes. Like I said, Sarah and Son, first movie nom- directed by a woman to be nominated for an Oscar. And that's really good. Yeah. It's not a good movie, but 
It's a good achievement. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I that's it. it. But. Uh. All right. So on to best picture, the the big award. Ooh. So, my nominees are Condemned, The Divine Lady, Hallelujah, The Love Parade, and Lucky Star. So, let, let's just go in order here. Uh, Condemned is just a, I know you haven't seen it, but it's just this really great prison movie. And it's just, it's just miraculous how good it turned out, considering the year. And so it's just, it's just a really great genre with great performances, great writing. It's just all around, just a really good and engaging and interesting movie. And I don't want to say too much about the plot just to keep you and whoever else free from spoilers, but it's just a fantastic Ronald Coleman movie. One of his best, really. And then The Divine Lady. Uh, this is kind of fifth place in this lineup because I don't remember it well, but my records show that I did really like this movie, so it's in here. Um, but I do remember it being just a just a really engaging and fun, maybe not fun, but just a really enjoyable movie and really just wonderful to watch and look at. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's not much specific, but... Um, I, I was just going to say, um, you don't have to worry that much about spoilers. Like, these movies are really old, so. Okay, okay. But I just thought maybe you'd want to watch Condemned, so. Uh, anyway, um, Hallelujah. I, I was really struggling whether or not to put this in here for all the reasons I've talked about earlier. But 1929 does not give me much options. And so I think, and also I think that if I did not know that, like, the racist history behind the movie, I would just absolutely just love this movie unconditionally. And so I think, like, it it would be a lot less complicated if I didn't know racism exists, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but it, so it is kind, it's kind of a tough decision here, but I think, and this isn't real it's not like i'm an actual academy member so it's just like i think hallelujah is better than most of the other movies here despite it's even including its faults so it gets nomination yeah and then love parade as we've discussed many times before now it's just a really really fun movie like all it's just it's just a great film to watch it's just a fantastically fun an experience with Maurice Chevalier, he just being his charming little self, just singing his little heart out, just being absolutely enjoyable. And then Lubitsch and Jeanette McDonald and the writing, it's just all, it just all culminates in just this really, really fun movie that is way too good to be in 1929. <laughs> and then, and then we have Lucky Star, which is just like we've said many talked about it before just a powerful beautiful whole drama romance drama and just i i don't have the words to describe how good it is it's just so beautiful i just can't i i just can't with it it's just so good it's just so good gabe it's just so good yes, and you know is. this okay how about you what are your thoughts um 
I have Hallelujah, The Iron Mask, The Love Parade, Lucky Star, and The Virginian. <laughs> um, a lot of what you said about um, Hallelujah, despite um, how problematic it is, despite its uh, blatant racism, it's still incredibly well made for what it is. And it's remarkable what they accomplished on King Vidor and his crew from a filmmaking perspective. The Iron Mask, um, it just felt agreeable to me as um, a film that um, would be nominated for Best Picture in 1929 was in the context of 1929, just knowing how limited options were. Um, Love Parade is just such a fun experience. Just sit down, relax, and be beholden to the goofy charms of Lubitsch and Chevalier and McDonald. And a lot of comedy as well. Mm -hmm. um, Lucky Star is just a gorgeous near masterpiece of a movie that... Um, it's um, ironic that probably the best film, best American film of 1929, or at least one of them, mm -hmm. was um, a silent film. And mm -hmm. for all the better for it. Exactly. It just has so much visual splendor. And The Virginian is just a great solid western that um, really keeps you on edge um, what the sort of tone it takes and it's hard not get it's hard to it's hard not to get swept away in great beauty of its visuals um, Yeah, it, exactly. It's just like everything you said is so true. It's just fantastic. Um, so where do we go from here now that we've listed all our nominees? So, I guess, um, well, I wanted to talk a little about um, the ceremony, uh, like the actual Oscar year, I guess the year 1929 in general for movies and um, some interesting facts about the ceremony. So I guess we could start by discussing how um, the industry was transitioning in 1929, because I know you... Um, we, we talked I at know. length about how the industry is kind of, is in, is in a really rough patch, let's say, in this year with the evolution of sound and how it really does not know how to use it. And so like you have a lot of films this year that like are kind of going halvesies, like are kind of half silent movies, half sound movies, like only having a few sound sequences, but then others like they try to go all in on it and just do not know how to do it. Or films that had like, they think that sound in and of itself is worth making a movie for and just put no effort 
into any other aspect of the movie kind of like a, and like one of the worst offenders of this is coincidentally our best picture winner this year broadway melody yeah. it's just that movie specifically is just so empty when it comes to anything and like its sound work isn't even that good but it's good for the time because it's brand new and so it's just uh and so it's just aged so poorly and it's just an awful time for movies and looking at the rest of this best picture lineup it's like like hollywood review of 1929 is the same thing yeah that movie it's just like hollywood review yeah it just grated on me so fast like it made me hate everyone who appeared on screen (laughs) i i I like review more than broadway melody just because it's like it's not really trying to be a movie it's just trying to be a showcase of a bunch of different things like it's still not good but it's something you could like put on in the background while you do other things and it'd be fine but once you like sit down and watch when you sit down and watch it and just watch the parade of all these different and skits and songs it just becomes intoler- intolerable <laughs> but yeah and then we yeah. also have like in old arizona which is awful for many reasons just a, it's just a bad movie and then <laughs> alibi is like the best of this lineup because it's like an actual story with actual characters and actors and i and i kind of like it though i know other people kind of hate it but i like it I and, then the, remember. and then the final nominee in the night in the second academy awards best, best picture lineup is the patriot which is a famously lost movie and as well yeah. And I was looking at this earlier. It's one of the four Oscar-winning movies, at least when it comes to the main categories, not like the docs or shorts, that is unfindable. It's one of the few Oscar-winning movies. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to touch on the lost movies, at least from this year. Um, were there other notable ones? I know um, um, Four Devils from F.W. Murnau, but. Oh. Yeah. We have uh, The Bridge of San Luis Rey, which also oh, won yeah. uh, Best Art Direction this year. And that's another one of the few Oscar winners that is completely lost. And then I think, I think that there's I think there's like one copy available. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, um, I forgot. That's not lost, but it is incredibly hard to get to. It's like impossible to find. It's in an As archive. But yeah, um, um, Dynamite by says, oh, sorry. Uh, no, you go. Dynamite by Cecil B. DeMille is another one that was impossible to find, aside from a couple of clips on YouTube. That is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, was there an Alfred Hitchcock movie from this year that's lost, or I'm thinking of a different year? Well, I think, I um, I don't know if it's lost or not. I, that's Blackmail. Oh, okay. Blackmail. That that's not lost because I've seen that one, but there's 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 some lost Hitchcock movie. Maybe it's not this year, um, but yeah. And also um, another actual Oscar nominee that's I'm not sure if it's lost, but it's incredibly hard to find. Um, the Barker uh, with Betty Compson that was nominated for Best Actress, and I I'm not sure if that's lost or just unfindable, but it's 
it's I can't watch it. <laughs> I was trying to watch it, yeah. but I can't because I cannot find a copy of it anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's um, the page in particular is yeah kind of sad and being for being lost because for all we know it could have been the best of the five actual nominees from this year oh yeah the patriot seems good like from what we know about it and what we've seen it seems like it could have been like the saving grace of this entire year but it's just been lost because we have nothing to there was we just don't have it and so we can't watch it and that sucks yeah I guess another thing I want to say about um, Broadway Melody is perhaps the most interesting thing about it is some of the crew. You have like um, Sarah Y. Mason who won an Oscar for um, George Cukor's adaptation of Little Women. You have James Gleason who is primarily known as a character actor. He was Oscar nominated for Here Comes Mr. Jordan. And the story was credited to, was credited to Edmund Golding. Um, who directed The Trespasser and Grand Hotel and Dark Victory and Nightmare Alley and a lot of other notable movies from the Golden Age. And the editor was Sam Zimbalist, who produced Ben-Hur and a bunch of other historical epics. Interesting. That's literally the most interesting thing about the movie. Well, the most interesting thing is that it won Best Picture despite being awful. Well, besides but, that. But outside of that, yeah. Are we, should we, like, take a look at some of these other winners and stuff? Uh, I suppose. Okay. Um, I wanted okay. to talk about Mary Pickford yes. and her Our Best Actress okay. winner this year. I, I do not hate Coquette and Mary Pickford as much as other people do, but at the same time, I know it's bad. It's a bad movie, and Mary Pickford isn't really great in it. Though I don't think she's, like, the worst Best Actress winner of all time. Like, that belongs to other people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, she's not good. The movie's bad. Um, it's pretty much emblematic of um, every problem with 1929, and, you know, like... They didn't know how to transfer into the sound era. Mm -hmm. Like, the acting is just robotic. The dialogue is like, what are they trying to do? What are they thinking? Um, the sound work is really shoddy as well. So you can barely hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Or it's barely audible beyond all the fuzz and the noise. And... As a picture, it's really hard to parse out what it is. Exactly. And... It's just... Uh, it's it's kind of just the perfect movie to sum up 1929 in terms of, like, what what went wrong. Because it it's just a poorly written movie with poor actors and, poor, and poorly made and all around. It's just... It's 1929 if it, as a single movie. And if we want to talk about how Mary Pickford won um, that Oscar, um, she was a member of she was a founding member of the Academy of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and she essentially lobbied her way to that Oscar, <laughs> which 
the, uh, the first successful campaign in Oscar history. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I find that a bit shady, but um, well, I, for her. I'd say like it, it's the early years. It's not like this. The Oscar was what it was. So it's just like, like it, at this point, it was just a dinner among Hollywood execs, just giving just giving out awards to each other just for fun. So it's just like why. And like it's not a very serious thing, and so Mary Pickford was like, "I want one," and so she made she told people to vote for her, and they did because who cares? And then she got it. Yeah, definitely, um, yeah. The Academy was significantly different back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then if we go over the Best Actor, we have Warner Baxter in Old Arizona, which is. Just to note, he is the worst nominee in this lineup. <laughs> and <laughs> like I, I've seen the rest of these, excluding Lewis Stone for obvious reasons because Patriots lost. Uh, but I really like Paul Muni. I, as we said, I nominated him before. Chester Morrison, Alibi, and George Bancroft and Thunderbolt. I think are good performances. But Warner Baxter is just so bad in this. But he won because In Old Arizona was such a successful movie and everybody loved him. And I think he played the same role, the Cisco kid in a few other movies too, because he was just so popular in this one. Uh, yeah. After seeing In Old Arizona, I don't think I need to see any of the other Cisco kid movies. Oh, definitely but not. <laughs> I, I think he's really good in 42nd Street. Um, so I, I do not remember him in 42nd Street. Well, uh, the only thing I re- really remember about 42nd Street is Ginger Rogers and her monocle, <laughs> because that is just so iconic to me. I think Gold Diggers of 1933 is, um, I like that even more than 42nd Street. Um, and it has an even better Ginger Rogers moment. That opening is just amazing. Um, I, I, yeah, Gold Diggers of 33 is really, really great. And yeah, so. An old Arizona and 42nd Street are the only Warner Baxter movies I've seen, apparently. So I, I can't really say much about him <laughs> in his career. Admittedly. Um, though maybe I've seen some movie where he's in and I didn't even notice him. Who, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Um, I guess. Anything else you want about, to talk about? Um, I guess we talked about um, the fact that they're like more than five nominees in like places like director because we have Frank Lloyd getting three nominations for the Divine Lady which he won for Drag and Weary River. I've only seen the Divine Lady. Uh, I and- so I've tried to watch every nominee of or almost every nominee of nineteen twenty nine. There's some in writing that I haven't seen, but but drag is one of the ones that I just can't find. Like it but Weary River, not good. And Frank and uh, the Divine Lady is good. Like I clear, I clearly liked it because I nominated it. But and it is like the best one here, I think, at least of the ones I've seen that I've been able to see. Like it's, it's an earned nom, it's an earned win. But yeah, in terms of like the the excessive nominations, let's say, I think that just owes itself to how how we mentioned earlier that there are no official nominees this year. Like they only announced winners and the nominees that we refer to now 
are just something that uh, later on the academy decided to go like go into their old archives get get out the ballots and just see what were the common films that people were voting for and then just list them out there as as if they were nominees even though they weren't yeah i guess that would also explain lionel barrymore's nomination from adam x um yeah madam x sucks it's it's not good yeah. And, um but yeah let's since we focused on best director let's look at these writing nominees there's so many i'm yeah let, let me let's list help. them all so we have our winner the patriot which is lost and then we yes. also have the cop in old arizona the last of mrs cheney the leatherneck our dancing daughters Sal of singapore Sci skyscraper the valiant a woman of affairs and wonder of women that is how many is that one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven nominees <laughs> i think the only <laughs> categories to have more are like the score categories and in the 40s because those the, the score categories in the 40s like they just let each studio submit a film for a nomination like they like you were just allowed to earn yourself a nomination and so they ended up with like yeah 14 if we wanted, 50 nominees uh, art direction and cinematography was seemed like the same deal because uh, it's uh, like it's around the early 40s so like 13, 14, 15 nominees, mm -hmm. and it was wild. And you would think they would try to make the best choices when it came to filling up those 15 nominees, but oftentimes they didn't. Well, like I said, it was literally, they just let the studios submit their own nominees and just submit an, a film to be nominated. And then th from there, they pick a one winner from the, all the films the studios submitted. Yeah, that was a bizarre process. Exactly. Um, and for art direction and cinematography, it's funny how, like, beginning of the 40s, they have 15 nominees or whatever. And by the end of the 40s, there's only two. <laughs> it, it's a bizarre contrast. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what is the thought process behind that? It's not like there are a lack of worthy contenders. Yeah, it's just, I think. They just decided to cap it for some reason. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, so, yeah. I do like The Last of Mrs. Cheney. Um, I I have not watched that yet. Yeah. <laughs> of, of those um, uh, screenplay, or of those writing nominees, I've only seen In Old Arizona, Our Dancing Daughters, and The Valiant. Uh, yeah, just those three. Um, just because either... Because most of these are, are not most of them, but some of them are lost movies, are just unfindable, and other ones are, are just really obscure, and I haven't gotten around to watching them yet. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the last Miss Janie is a Norma Shearer movie, and she's lovely, just, mm -hmm. just so charming in everything she's in. Mm -hmm. I love Norma Shearer. And if I, oh. if I may talk about the first Oscars, it's like, uh, in that that ceremony for Best Actress, you just had three nominees. Janet Gaynor nominated for three separate movies. Then Norma Shearer, or Gloria Swanson, actually. Wait, I'm confusing Gloria Swanson and Norma Shearer. Never mind. Ignore I said anything. <laughs> that happens. No worries. Um, 
So I guess we can sort of wrap this up with some questions. Um, we got just two. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, Tony held featured presentation productions. Asked, um, this is more of a first Oscars related question, but regardless, should the unique and artistic picture category have carried on after this ceremony? No. I think it, it one best picture category is good, and that any attempts to create a second best picture category are dumb and useless. And this is not a shaded reference to anything the Academy might have done, tried to do recently. But that, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like, we only need one best picture category as thematically um, fitting as it was for Wings and Sunrise to win the respective categories. It was clearly an, um, a fledgling group trying to figure out what they were and how they were going to sort everything out. It's best we keep it that way. Exactly. Um, and then, tech, you answered this question already, but <laughs> Ronaldo was asked, was it hard to find good movies from this year? Yes. Yes. I, I just want to say that Ronaldo Sosa asked this question 19 minutes ago. And I answered this 18 minutes ago. And if and if yeah. you were looking at the time on this podcast, if you're listening to this now, you, you'll realize that this podcast has been going on longer than 18 minutes. And so therefore, I am, I, am, I replied to his question while recording this. Yeah. But yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, is, it was very hard to find good movies. And I... And especially ones that were, like, technically eligible for the mm-hmm. Oscars. There. Yes. Because... I, I should bring that up because when I was first asked to do this, uh, I had and I'd made my lineup. Half of my nominees were uneligible because I included like a lot of like foreign movies and, and stuff like stuff like a uh, man, man with a movie camera, the famous documentary, or like um, a diary of a young woman. I think it's diary of a lost girl or something like that. I forget its title. I'm blanking on it, but yeah, these are like obscure or foreign movies that never made it over to the States, at least not in their original time period. So we're not eligible for Oscars, but, but so I, I can't nominate them, but then I'm just left with these bad American movies that try to incorporate sound. <laughs> so it, it became a lot harder from then. <laughs> yeah. It's really depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all that said Jackson thank you so much for agreeing to um, join me on this episode Um, no matter what we thought of this year it was um, a great time talking about it well, thank you for inviting me. Like, even though you made me watch some awful movies, I, I still had a fun time recording this and, like, developing my list. And it, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. I hope to make it up to you by inviting you on in the future for hopefully a much better year. Hopefully. Yeah. There are some great years. 
Yeah. Maybe you can invite me on for 1944 and I can talk about how great Wilson is. Oh, just yeah. like I did on uh, Oscar runner up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or and the runner up is, I mean. Yeah. I'd love to have you do that. <laughs> uh, so, um, Jackson, how do we find you on social media? Um, for most places, I'm on there as as Jack Dus Williams, J A C D E S Williams with an S at the end. And yeah, I'm 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 that on Twitter. I'm that on Letterboxd. I'm that on lots of things. Ah, good. Um, so, um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter, um, as um. Gabe the Joker with two underscores. And I'm also on Letterboxd um, as Mr. Hulo um, with no spaces. And technically, I also have an Instagram account, but I don't use it that much. So for me, it's basically just Letterboxd and um, Twitter. I also write for Keith Loves Movies. Um, and... I actually have a review for The Great McGinty coming up, so Ooh. I'm looking forward to when it actually gets published. So, And also be um, sure to follow at Alternate Oscars on Twitter so you can okay. be updated on future episodes of this podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I guess um, rate and review this podcast um, to, give, um, to give it more visibility. And... Until the next episode, see you all next time. Alrighty, that that was fun. All right, um, you can stop recording now. Oh, okay. Uh, so... recording in progress. Um, hello. So, um, turns out we made a mistake. We forgot to actually announce our winners. So, bear with us, we're just going to do that, and then we'll be good to go. So, um, Jackson, um, well, where should, where should I start? Turn. So, we're going to start again in reverse order, starting with art direction, ending with picture. We'll take turns per, cate per category, um, and you go first. All right, so... Let's just start down at the bottom with Best Art Direction. So, my nominees were The Divine Lady, The Four Feathers, The Iron Mask, Lucky Star, and Moulin Rouge. And I give my win to The Iron Mask because it's just, despite it not being a very great movie, it is just so grand. And the sets and the costumes, and oh, it's just so fantastically designed. It's so big. It's just... I couldn't give it to anyone else, really. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't think you need to go over the um, nominees because okay. the, the previous recording already does that. But anyway. Just a reminder. Yeah. In fact, I might do it myself just quickly. Um, so, for um, Best Art Direction, my nominees were The Divine Lady, The Iron Mask, The Love Parade, Lucky Star, and Moulin Rouge, and my winner was again, The Iron Mask. Um, it just feels the most agreeable to me as a winner for production design. It feels the most developed. It 
Um, William Cameron Menzies is obviously a legend in this era. And this is such a good use of his talents. Um, All right. I just want to point something out about um, The Divine Lady. Horace Jackson was the art director for Divine Lady. And he was nominated for writing for um, for Holiday in 1930, the Anne Harding version. Oh. That's just something fun I'd like to point out. Okay. Uh, so on to cinematography. Should I list the nominees or just go to the winner? I guess just go to the winner. Okay, so my winner for best cinematography was Hallelujah. Because like I, like I said before, it just uses the camera in such... A fantastic way that I it it's much more than just being a, a visually appealing movie it just uses the camera in fantastic ways in order to emphasize and just to really grab you went during those fantastic song sequences and stuff it's just fantastic how about you um my winner is also hallelujah for many of the same reasons it's just such um beyond just the striking imagery the camera work is exquisite the movements and just the conviction of it all <laughs> um for best, best adaptation uh, for better best adaptation my winner is the love parade like i couldn't give it to anyone else here like the it's just so so funny it's just fin- like Lubitsch knows what I forget if he writes his own movie. I think he writes his own movies. So yeah, it's just no, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. Well, whoever wrote Love Parade, he no, they did a fantastic job. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, I I can't give it to anyone else. It's Love Parade. It, absolutely no question. My winner is the Virginian. Um, oh. Yeah, I just think it's um, a smart type of early western. And I was consistently engaged with the narrative. Um, I um, I just find it notable that this was co-written by Howard Estabrook, who won for um, Cimarron. Obviously, this is a much better movie than Cimarron. Um, but yeah, I feel like this agreed with me the most in terms of what I felt was winner material from this lineup. Um. Oh, all, all so right. So next, next up is the original. Oh, sorry. Um, next is next up a, is the screenplay. So my winner for best original is Lucky Star, because it's just such a beautiful story. It just these characters are so well developed and so well written, and just this all around so fantastic. How about you? Um. Same lucky star. <laughs> its story is just beautiful. Everything about the movie is beautiful. All right, so on to best actress. My winner is Nina Mae McKinney in Hallelujah. Uh, she just capture like she she just knows what she's doing on that screen she knows how to best portray this character she knows how to capture the audience she's just such a powerful presence in this film and she you cannot take your eyes off her for a second agreed um 
with that statement, but my winner is actually Janet Gaynor. Oh. Um, maybe it's just because I wanted to um, replicate her Oscar win in a way for those three movies that she did win for, or just that she is just such a um, striking presence um, with how much she how much empathy she imbues and and conveys in her performance. It's just a beautiful um, silent performance. I got no complaints here. Like she's probably in my second place in this lineup. So yeah. uh, on to best actor. My winner is Daniel L. Haynes and Hallelujah. Like much for the same reasons of Nina Mae Kenny. Like she, like he, is so powerful in his voice and his performance. It's just breathtaking whenever he's on. Like it's just an all one of the greatest performances in a musical. I think like him and Mae McKinney, just fantastic. Um. My winner is Ronald Coleman for Bulldog Drummond. Um, I guess I was just in the mood for something purely entertaining. <laughs> and Ronald Coleman just... Um, was just such a suave, charismatic presence. Who just... Um, I'm just reminded of, like... Future movies like Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford doing something almost similar, <laughs> and it's just a great time. All right, uh, on to best director. Uh, my winner is Frank Borzage for Lucky Star. Like, like I, there's, we've said so much about Lucky Star already, and this is just another example. Like he, the. Like I said, when we're talking about the nominees, he just perfectly balances the tone of the movie and to create something so just emotionally powerful that it just, it, you just don't know how to feel about having just seen such a fantastic movie. Especially in the years bad as this. Um, but... <laughs> Especially for 1929. But even in yeah. better years, I, I would still give Lucky Star. The... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's definitely a worthy movie in any year. Mm -hmm. um, so, for Outstanding Production or Best Picture, sorry, just reading oh, up. Best Director, list. you're on. Um, oh, wait, I still haven't listed Best Director yet. You, you haven't said your Best Director winner. I still haven't announced my winner. I'm sorry. You, you got to keep on these winners, but you can't just skip yeah. over them. Yeah, my bad. We're going to um, have to record this again. <laughs> No, no, it's it's fine. I, I know, I'm making a joke. <laughs> um, Frank Forzage is my winner. Um, for many of the same reasons you listed. Mm -hmm. I just love the touch he brings to the movie. And I'm not sure I could say anything else without becoming redundant or trite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and now on. Now, now into Best Picture. And I feel like we both both agree when I say that the best picture this year, by, by far, very easily, is Lucky Star. 
Like, for all yep. the reasons we mentioned before. Yes. Um, Lucky Star. Again, what can, what can we say about it that we haven't already said? It's just a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. With beautiful people and beautiful locations. And... Yeah. And I am kind of sad that this movie has been forgotten about mm-hmm. even amongst uh, even amongst Frank Borzage's filmography mm-hmm. I feel like people rarely talk about this nowadays yeah people like even people who know the film films like like Seventh Heaven or, or Street Angel like they don't know about Lucky Star I haven't seen it and it's such a shame it's one of the most beautiful silent movies I've seen it's just film that everyone should see yeah um yeah i'm glad we got around to actually announcing our winners again <laughs> that i reminded you that we needed to say our winners yeah thank uh, you so much jackson for everything thank, thank I you hope for you, yeah i hope to have you back on again in the future for a better year or um something much better yeah and I just wanted to say one last thing about Mary Pickford. <laughs> I was actually, um, I've been meaning to watch The Love Light um, from 1921. Mm-hmm. I'm most interested in it because it is written and directed by Frances Marion. Oh, she who, directed it. Huh. Yeah. And I'm just interested in seeing what her vision is because I've liked a lot of the movies she's written. So yeah, I look forward to when I actually get around to seeing that. Uh, okay. Um, anyways, thank you so much. Um, thank you. And again, see you all next time.